Strategic Healthcare Partners, founded by principals John Crew and Mike Scribner, operates from offices in Savannah and Atlanta. Our diverse team prioritizes clients, ensuring we fully understand their needs. As your business partner, we are an extension of your professional identity. SHP tailors services to your individual needs, offering flexible pricing structures. From IPA management to financial analysis, we're here to empower your organization. Visit shpllc.com for details. This is Jason Crosby of Strategic Healthcare Partners. And your host for today's episode, we are joined by Dean Ruddinghaus of the Diabetes Management Clinic at Jenkins County Medical Center. We came across Dean and his team while working with Jenkins and the possible expansion of their services in the South Georgia market. It was during this time that we in the hospital administration found the clinic very community friendly and another mechanism in which they, the provider, can interact or engage with the patients in their market they previously would not have. So with that, let's jump right into the conversation with Dean. For our audience sake, some background on how we're familiar with Dean and his team. We have collectively uh, shared a client, Jenkins, County Medical Center, as I mentioned before, we came across Dean and his team. Uh, Jenkins, a critical access hospital client in the South Georgia market where uh, the diabetes clinic is up and going as of last year. Community's happy, administration happy. And so we wanted to have Dean on to sort of expand on, on diabetes treatment. So with that, let's just jump right on in. Let's start with the sort of the uh, problem side of this equation, the education side. And tell us what are some of the statistics pertaining to the epidemic of type 2 diabetes, hypertension, and, and kidney disease. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jason there, and I, um, I, I've written them down because the, the numbers are ac- they're, they're staggering. Um, so I'm going to talk specifically about the prevalence of, of type 2 diabetes. Let's kind of just run through some of these stats. So um, the prevalence of, of type 2 has increased from 2.5% of the U.S. population in 1990 to 10.5% of the U.S. population in 2018. So, you know, that's that's obviously four or five years ago already. Uh, so in almost 30 years, the prevalence, the, the incidence of type 2 diabetes, we're only talking about type 2 diabetes, uh, has increased by 320%, uh, which is, like I said, just, just absolutely staggering. Um, additionally, and this doesn't, like I said, doesn't even include type 1 diabetes, which is, uh, you know, a, a different animal altogether, but it doesn't include the 88 million people who are pre-diabetic. Um, diabetes is is measured by what is called an A1C. Um, so A1C levels above 6.5 are considered diabetic. Um, and so pre-diabetic are these 88 million people that I'm talking about have A1C levels below 6.5. So they're right there on the verge of adding to that percentage. Um, and so kind of, um, and, and cut me off, Jason, if you need to interject there, but I, I'm going to go over some more stats because it, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't get any better for what we're dealing with here in the U S. Um, 
type 2 diabetes is expected to increase to 13.9% of the U.S. population by 2030. So what I said is in 2017 or 18, we were at 10.5. So we're looking at another um, 13 or 3.4% increase by 2030 um, to 39.7 million people. Um, so let me then, again, kind of setting the table for, for what we're talking about here. Um, let's talk about some of the money or what this cause, what, you know, healthcare costs as, as it pertains to these diabetes. 2017, um, it, it generally cost about $400 billion uh, as part of the U.S. economy, uh, which is a dollar out of every $4 that's spent on, um, in U.S. healthcare costs is spent on caring for people with diabetes, type 2 diabetes. Um, by 2030, that's expected to be over $494 billion as far as a burden to the U.S. healthcare economy. So um, we're, we're dealing with an endemic um, and it's not getting any better. Wow. Staggering numbers to say the yeah, least. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's unbelievable. Keep going down the education trail here. What, what are some of the root causes that we're talking about? Well, um, you know, this obviously doesn't happen overnight when we're talking about type 2 diabetes. Type 2 diabetes, um, a lot of uh, lifestyle issues, and, and that's why we've kind of addressed it in a, a population where we are right now. We're, we're trying to, generally in underserved populations, you know, you're talking about um, incidences of in African-American people. It's higher in African-American people and Indian people, uh, Native American people, I should say. Um, it, there's a higher incidence in, in those populations. It's, it's a higher incidence in, in uh, areas where um, nutrition, where food supply is, you know, you've got a lot of fast food restaurants, you've got, you know, they don't eat as well. Um, and, and so it's in poor populations, generally, the incidence of type 2 diabetes is higher. So, so let, let's talk, you know, that was kind of a roundabout way of of going into what your original question was, what are the root causes? Um, the root causes of diabetes, the type two diabetes is insulin resistance. So insulin is used, it's secreted by the pancreas, by our bodies. And it normally um, it's secreted when we eat something, our blood sugar levels rise. And so the, the pancreas secretes insulin in response to that. And normally that that insulin um, cells respond to the insulin in, and they take up that, that food, which is broken down. They take it up as glucose for energy. And what happens over a period of time, and we're talking about lifestyle changes, we're talking about uh, lack of exercise, we're talking about uh, habits that, that people develop over time and aging, um, the pancreas does not, uh, the cells the cells actually don't respond to that insulin. They become insulin resistant. So when that food is eaten uh, and broken down, um, the, the cells um, downregulate. It's called downregulate. They actually resist the insulin. They don't take up the glucose. They don't take up that, that food for energy, and it gets deposited in, into our cells, into our bodies as, as fat, as, you know, just lots of, lots of complications as a result of that. So that's, that's really how that process works. That's the root cause of type 2 diabetes. It's the root cause of, of what that leads to is, is also hypertension. Um, our bodies, uh, it, it, it gets deposited in our bodies as, as, like I said, fat. And so then the heart has to work harder to get 
um, to maintain all of this. And so lots of comorbidities associated with that. What are some of the others that we're talking about that are associated with the resistance of insulin? You mentioned hypertension and such. What are some others that maybe our audience should be aware of? Yeah, I mean, it, it, a lot of them, um, I mean, we're aware of it, but um, the, you know, people are aware of these these comorbidities, if you will, but they don't generally relate them back to this insulin resistance and and the diabetes itself. So what I'm, you know, I mentioned it briefly, hypertension, high blood pressure, um, this inflammatory response, the, the, the body doesn't um, utilize the the glucose for energy anymore. It gets deposited and and. Then we have, like I said, hypertension, high blood pressure, weight gain was one of them I mentioned, um, depression, lethargy. I mean, you know, you start going down this whole path of body's not not functioning properly anymore, and and some of these um, side effects that occur, these comorbidities. A big one is kidney function, and we actually see this a lot in our clinic. Um, the uh, the increased weight, the kidneys don't function as well, so. GFR goes down, which is glomerular filtration rates. So our kidneys don't function as well because it it takes more to to excrete that out of the body. So our GFR um, goes down. Uh, neuropathy is one of the big things with diabetics, and you've heard of diabetic neuropathies. That's where the nerves, the the peripheral nerves, the nerves that the the you know the generally the feet don't they start to die actually because they're not getting that energy anymore. And so then they, the, the patients or the people start to feel numbness and tingling in their feet and, and legs, that's neuropathy. Um, eye problems, you've heard of diabetic neuropathy. Our audience has heard of diabetic neuropathy, macular degeneration. These are some of the side effects of, of this insulin resistance where the body just doesn't use that glucose for food anymore. Um, and, and probably a big one, and this, is, this term hasn't been coined in the in, in the mainstream media, if you will, uh, but it's type 3 diabetes. And type 3 diabetes is actually recognized as Alzheimer's and, and some of these metabolic disorders that, that um, dementia that occur over a long period of time when the patient or the person has not, uh, you know, this accumulation of, of this inflammatory response in the body. Those are, those are some of the, you know, obviously huge burden to our healthcare system, but that's, that's what we're talking about. All right, let's let's transition to a lot of what you're doing today while you're at Jenkins, right? We've talked a lot about the education causes. Now let's look at some of the solutions and treatments. What are some of the current treatments for metabolic disorders, whether it's type 2 diabetes, hypertension, et cetera? Yeah, current treatments, turn on your TV any any time, and you're gonna see uh, you know, big pharma ads for diabetes medications and so right now, the current treatment for diabetes, type 2 diabetes, let's, you know, let's just kind of focus on type 2 diabetes and, and prediabetes, but the current treatment is medication. Um, and the medication, you know, this is where, you know, where, where big pharma really, really leads this, but it's, it's treating the symptoms. So you're really kind of treating the symptoms of the actual diabetes, type 2 diabetes and and what we've done is we've, we've taken a little bit of different approach, uh, actually a drastically different approach. And we're, we're actually focusing on treating the cause of this insulin resistance instead of really trying to maintain the, the patient. We're, we're approaching it from a different way and then, and, and we're, we're treating the insulin resistance. So that's kind of the, the program that we have here at Jenkins County Medical Center. 
instead of, you know, we want to minimize uh, the insulin resistance. And, and we do that in a number of ways. I can go into that if you'd like, or, or I didn't know if you had another question for me there. Let's maybe speak to some of the trends and what you're seeing today. So you get an active population. What are some of the current today treatments? Maybe go a little bit more detail on what you were saying there that, that either generally do not address or get focused on. Well, so I mentioned it early on, Jason, and and uh, it's you know that lifestyle changes these these patients or these people um, generally with the with the lethargy or you know they they don't they don't exercise as much. So a lot of those things we address that um, weight management, smoking cessation, uh, and and things like that where um, the patient or the person actually has to change how they are living their daily lives. Um, because, you know, we talked about the burden on the healthcare system and emergency room visits. I mean, we see that all the time here at, at Jenkins County Medical Center where patients are coming into the emergency room, the ED for hypertension and, and high, high blood pressure and, and glucose, uh, their, their, their blood glucose is out of control. So we want to address, um, that on the front end and we do it. I mean, the crux of our treatment is actually infusion therapy. We do insulin infusion. I know you and I haven't really talked about that, but that we do insulin infusion. The patient actually comes into our clinic and they sit and we do short little boluses of short little microbursts of insulin, um, depending on their A1C levels, depending on their blood, blood sugar levels. Um, they sit in a chair and in a, in a lounge chair, if you will, in a lounger. And it, it takes about two hours and what we do is we mimic, going back to what I said early, early on, the, the pancreas is what secretes insulin in response to, you know, a meal being eaten. So once that whole process breaks down, um, we, what we're doing here is the insulin infusion. We go back in and we actually uh, jumpstart the, the cells to, we upregulate them. I mentioned downregulate because over a period of time, those cells become resistant to the insulin. We want to kind of shock them into uh, upregulation where they, they now accept the insulin and they open back up and the, they accept uh, the glucose for energy and then the, uh, the pancreas starts to operate again. It's a process, um, you know, the daily life of, a, of, of somebody who has type 2 diabetes, they didn't get that way overnight. So this doesn't go away overnight. It takes a few weeks to, to really jolt that whole process. Let's talk about that as well. What are you seeing trend-wise? You mentioned some great statistics right off the bat. What, related to that, what are you seeing nationally or globally in terms of on the cause side of the disease that's maybe not addressed? It sounds like there's a lot on the medication, you know, medical side, but there's also a lot on the lifestyle. What are you seeing that's maybe most ignored? Well, the most most ignored is actually diet. I mean, it's just the and it, it, it's tough. I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I, you know, I'm kind of embedded in this area here now. We, you know, we, we're with these patients all the time. It's very difficult when you're in areas like, uh, you know, underserved areas that um, diet is not addressed. Um, many of these patients, uh, the education around what's going on, I, I can't tell you how many times, just some anecdotal stuff, I can't tell you how many times uh, we've actually talked to patients who have no idea what type 2 diabetes is. They have diabetes and, and take this metformin or take this, this medication. 
and you're going to be on it forever. Um, and truth be told, these providers and most providers, most, and we're talking internal medicine. I'm not talking endocrinologists. I'm talking, you know, the front line, the, the, the family doctors or the providers, they don't have time to sit there and educate a patient on, you know, the, the 30 minutes that it takes to talk about your diet. They talk about, you know, our healthcare system is not set up that way. They don't get paid for that generally, and they don't get paid for that extra time. And so these patients, the lack of education around what they have um, is is devastating. They don't they don't have a direction. I guess that's probably what I'm trying to say is they don't have a direction. So they come in um, with this disease process and they don't know what causes it. They don't know um, how to get how to get it better. Uh, and they haven't had, they haven't been educated. I mean, that, that, you know, a lot of the education's out there, American Di- Diabetic Association and so on, but they don't have access to that generally. Unfortunate. So you're at a clinic today, obviously. Tell us what the daily interaction looks like with your population coming into the clinic in terms of treatment options, medications, injections. What your interaction look like daily? Yeah, I, I mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, the patients that come into the ED, the emergency room of, of the hospital here, um, generally what the, the statistics show, at least half of those, maybe a little bit more in a in a, a hospital this size. Um, and, you know, most of the hospitals that we're talking about in Georgia, half of those patients are there because of hypertension, you know, um, cardiovascular problems uh, and or, uh, you know, high blood sugar, low blood sugar diabetes, things like that. That's that's the main reason. So when these patients come into the clinic here or come into the hospital, uh, they're generally referred directly to our clinic and, and we do labs on them. If, they, if the labs haven't been done, we, we want to check A1C levels. We want to check vitamin B12, things like that, that, that are points that, that need to be checked in diabetes patients that, that we can improve on. So we check their A1C levels. The patient comes in um, on, you know, on their infusion visits, once we've done a complete workup, we do a, an exam and consultation. We do a diagnostic test, which is, which is a neurovascular test. We want to check, you know, nerve flow and vascular flow to, to find out how their, um, uh, nerves and, and blood vessels have been affected by the diabetes over a period of time. So we have high levels, uh, a high A1C level, you know, 12, 13. Uh, their treatment is going to take longer than someone with, you know, pre-diabetes or, or low A1C levels. But a patient, when they come in after the diagnostic workup at the consultation exam, and they actually sit in a, a Barca lounge, I, I don't know if that's the right term, but it's actually a, you know, like a, a lounge that you have in your living room, but they sit in that, it's comfortable. Um, they're going to be hooked up to an IV and a pump. And in response to what their blood sugar levels are at the time that they come in. We check blood sugars every 15 to 20 minutes. We adjust the pump accordingly. So that pump actually puts a little bit, a little burst of insulin into their bloodstream. And that insulin then goes out to the cells. And it is over a period of time, again, over a period of time. This is not a miracle treatment that happens in one or two treatments. Um, depending on their A1C levels, it may take eight weeks for them to really respond, or it may, they may respond in three or four weeks. Um, but for two hours, they get that, that little insulin burst back and forth. 
and uh, their, their cells eventually respond. And then we get them rescheduled to come in. It's generally twice a week. Uh, our care plans are generally twice a week for about a month, maybe six to eight weeks, and then we readjust accordingly. Let's back up. Obviously, they're in the clinic. They're receiving their treatment. Let's talk to those that we maybe want to try and keep out of the clinic, right? You've mentioned diet and exercise. What are some other small changes, if any, that those that are in the pre-diabetic, like you mentioned Absolutely. earlier? Yeah, we get those patients. They come in. I, I'm glad you brought that up because that's that's huge. I mean, that's that's as important or more important than than actually what we're doing. So um, we have patients who come in and and they think they're diabetic or their primary care provider has told them that they're diabetic and maybe they're on metformin or some other medication. They come in and their A1C levels are below or in that pre-diabetic place. We we don't treat them. But what we do, Jason, is is we talk to them about, you know, we, we do spend that time with them, even though, you know, it's not something that's a, a reimbursable. We want to spend that time with them to educate them on diet, um, on weight loss, on exercise, on, you know, if they're smokers and, you know, many, many are uh, stopping smoking, things like that. That's what we really want to focus on with those patients, because. We want, you know, we want them to get well and we don't want them to be uh, patients of ours. We'd, we'd like to prevent them from going to that next phase of being, you know, full blown um, diabetic with that A1C level of over 6.5. Great input. Appreciate that. Yeah, just a couple more, uh, last questions from the we've got some providers that are listening, obviously, just like where you're at, you know, small rural hospitals. Speak to those for a second that. You know, we're in a cost conscious environment, obviously, margins are low, a tough economic times, but you're a rural hospital listening to this, looking to you know, help serve the community in such a need. Help paint the picture of what they should look for and that this is a good thing. You can financially thrive while also serving a health need in your community. What are some of the highlights you, you should pass on to them? Yeah, I mean, you said it right there. I mean, all of these, you know, the hospitals that you guys probably interact with and most of the hospitals in, in rural Georgia, um, this is, using that term again, endemic to their their local populations. I mean, they, they and they generally, not that they don't have answers, they don't have the time. They're seeing so many patients. Um, so having a clinic such as this in that local area, um, not only relieves the burden on them, um, it, it, it helps their patient population. It, it's going to be good for the community. Uh, the response here in, in Millen, Georgia has been uh, tremendous. I mean, we spoke at the Rotary Club the other day. We were invited to come in for that. It's just because there is such a need in the community. So what I would say to them is this would be something to really um, check out. It, it would be something to to learn more about. There's a lot of research on what we're doing. There's a lot of research on, on type two diabetics um, and how this therapy actually helps them. Uh, anecdotal, I mean, I, I, I want to I bring this up. I just thought of it as we were talking about patients. I, I, we have a lady that, that she's been coming in for five weeks. Her, her presenting A1C level was 13.9. And we we generally draw blood. We do the blood work, the labs. Uh, we don't always do it, but uh, every 30 days or so. Um, so her initial A1C about five weeks ago was 13.9. She came in um, two days ago and we, we drew blood again and it was down to 8.9. I 
I mean, that's a tremendous, I mean, that's, that's a, you know, the, the doctors or the providers who are listening to this, that, that doesn't happen with, with medications. And, and so we're looking, what we're doing is a long-term, um, you know, for these patients, for these people, it's, it's lifestyle change, but it's long-term. It's not something that's fly by night. It's long-term. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to help them live a better quality of life and help them, um, you know, enjoy their kids or grandkids, whatever it may be. Um, and, and not be in the hospital every month because of, of hypertension and so on. So we just, we're, we're so happy that we're able to make that change. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I got one last trick question for you. We're Uh-oh. going to have this in our show notes, but I'm sure folks are going to have a lot more questions. How can they find you? Uh, it's Dean R at diabetes MGT. So it's abbreviation for management diabetes MGT clinic.com. Uh, that's Dean R my first name, last initial, uh, initial first initial, my last name, Dean R at diabetes MGT clinic.com. I mean, I'll give you my cell phone number. That's an easy way to do it. I'd love to love to talk to anybody who's out there that, that really has questions about this. Uh, my cell phone, my personal cell phone is 513-257-6499. And like I said, I'm, I'm just excited about what we're doing and where we're headed. Fantastic. Great information conversation, Dean. We can talk for another hour, I'm sure. We'll have to do it again soon. And Absolutely. really appreciate your time and joining us today. We know you're busy with patients, so we really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you inviting us on. You got it. All right. Thanks, Dean. All right. We'll see you guys. Thank you. You've been listening to Beyond the Stethoscope, Vital Conversations with SHP, a production of Strategic Healthcare Partners. For more information about our podcast, including back episodes, show notes, transcripts, and more, visit our website at shpllc.com slash podcasts. And I know you've heard it before, but please consider rating our podcast in your favorite podcast app. It helps make others aware of the show. And our podcast wouldn't be possible without our wonderful team of folks. Editing and production assistance by Nyla Weave and myself, Aaron Higgins. And your episode hosts are Aaron Higgins and myself, Jason Crosby. Our social media coordinator is Jeremy Miller. Our executive producers are also our principals, Mike Scribner and John Crew. For more from SHP, consider following us on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And as always, thank you for listening and have a great, wonderful day. Analytics, lacking the tandem of actionable reporting with expert analysis, not confident in the knowledge of your reporting system? SHP's expert analysts transform data from your EMR system into actionable insights. Understand your facility's performance, control outcomes, and enhance patient experience. As payment models shift to value-based care, our guidance can improve your bottom line. Visit shpllc.com for details. 